You're listening to the Slumber Party Podcast with your host, Amanda Jusen, a mum of two girls, a child and infant sleep expert, and general sleep lover. If you're a tired parent who is desperate for answers or just someone who loves sleep, this podcast was created just for you. Each episode is packed full of tips and tricks to help you maintain your sanity as well as your social life during the early stages of parenthood. So grab your headphones, it's time to get comfy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Slumber Party podcast. I'm Amanda Jusen. I just told our guest Haley that if it looks like I've eaten nuclear waste and I'm glowing, it's because I can't figure out my lighting. But I'm actually healthy and I haven't eaten any waste. Um, Speaking of waste and diapers, I don't know if that's a good segue. I think it's a bad one. Uh, We have... (laughs) Haley, um, who wrote me about having twins. And twins are no joke. People, um, I think, and I would put myself in this category, before working with twins, twins seem so crazy and so daunting. Um, But I actually think that twin parents get that shit down real quick. And it really is about um, strategizing. So we're going to talk about some of that today. Welcome, Haley. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm oh, so thank you. you. You look great. I was... <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So I have talk me through your twin story. What? How did you find out? Um, was it a surprise? Tell me everything. So, yeah, so I was about six weeks pregnant um, and I had a little scare. I had some spotting um, and it's my first pregnancy. So I was super nervous. Um, so my husband and I like rushed to the hospital emergency room, spent like, this was pre-COVID, obviously, two mm-hmm. months now. Um, we spent like six hours, you know how emergency rooms can be waiting for them to like get the ultrasound for me to drink enough. It was just so torturous. And all I wanted to know was like, am I still pregnant? Mm-hmm. So towards the end, um, a nurse who was working with us came up to me with this big smile on her face. And she's like, I can't tell you, but it's good news. And I was like, Hmm, like I kind of got a vibe, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. For just like one healthy baby. Um, yeah. It's like, why do you like, this is your job. Why are you so excited? Yeah. Why are you so exactly? So, and I didn't tell my husband, like, I didn't want to freak him out. I didn't want to like jump the gun. So then the doctor calls us and he's like, So your baby's okay. And we're like, Okay. And he's like, And how many kids were you planning to have? Oh, <laughs> and, my God. Yeah. So um, my husband just like put his head in his hands, like, No, 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 no. And I'm like, It's, he's like, It's twins. You have two of them in there. And we were just like, To go from one extreme of <laughs> to, I have twins. I called my mom. I'm like, so I'm still pregnant, but here's the thing. (laughs) There's two. And yeah, we were all freaking out. It was wow, crazy. Yeah. So return. Sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say six weeks, I think it's pretty early because it's before even my first official ultrasound. So um, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild to find out that way. I okay so are there twins in your family because fraternal twins are hereditary right right yeah like I mean I have cousins who are twins and stuff but I never thought it's not like my grandmother's a twin or something super prominent um and then of course 
I think it's from the women's side, but then we found mm-hmm. it after my husband's great grandmother was a twin and there's all these sorts of twins on his side. So it was definitely like there on both. Up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was out, so my grandfather is a fraternal twin. My aunts are fraternal twins. And I was like, oh my God. Like every ultrasound I went into, I'm like, please just be one. Please just be one. And it was always one. Um, and and I uh, we have two. Like I would have been fine if the second was twins or the first, but now we're done because we know. It will happen. This is the twin time. It's happening. So we're done. Um, Oh, that's such a great story. I love how you were like, oh my gosh, am I pregnant? And they're like, you are not only pregnant, you are super pregnant. (laughs) Uh, Well, and you know how they say like, you can't just be a little bit pregnant. Well, you can be a lot pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so talk to me, how old are the twins now? And give me a little rundown of what's going on. So they're two months old. They just turned two months this week. Um, And they're pretty good babies, I have to say. I mean, I I don't, obviously they're my first, so that's all I know. But um, for the most part, they're pretty calm. They're not super fussy. Um, But now that they're two months, sort of past that like super infant phase um and I know eventually we're gonna have to get to like a normal sleep routine I'm Mm -hmm. sort of where do I go what do I do because right now I mean I'll be completely honest like I've been they nap during the day but they nap in like whatever is around so I don't have (laughs) yeah strict like you're going in the bassinet or you're going in the pack and play it's like yeah you know and, and this could be totally wrong but like they're you fell asleep in the swing so I'm gonna let you nap in the swing like supervised Mm -hmm. obviously or Mm -hmm. um on a lounger or whatever it is but I know that that's like as they're getting bigger and as they're starting to move more I know that that's not um like a a permanent fixture solution of how we're gonna get them and I'm seeing that they're not getting like a good nap in um during the day and and then, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm sort of, I mean, do I, if one wakes up, do I wake the other? I mean, what, I, what we've been doing now is um, if one wakes to feed, I wake up the other one to feed so that they're on mm-hmm. the same feeding schedule. That's sort of my number one priority. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I'd say I'm not super anal with times and scheduling, um, but I want to be because I know that that's... <laughs> probably the key to getting them okay. eventually sleep. Right. And then, sorry. So talk to me about your nights as well. So talk to me about what's happening overnight. So right now we have two bassinets on either side of the bed. Um, and what will happen is around nine or 10, um, when we do that feed, we'll kind of make sure that they eat like as much as possible, like that they're mm-hmm. fully full. And then, um, we put them down so by like 10 30 11 they're in their bassinet sleeping and just recently they started sleeping through a little bit like sometimes it's the thing it's not consistent but where yeah. they've been sleeping till like three or four and missing mm-hmm. that yeah i'm missing that like one or two feed so yeah. that's okay. when we do that that's huge because it allows yeah. me to actually get a few hours in yeah so then they wake that's up amazing. Yeah. 
um, at like three, they feed and then, then they're back on three hours, like six. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I find one of them will, uh, I can use their names, right? Uh, it's up to you. It's up to you. You can just use their first name or their first initial. Okay. It's just, yeah. Um, so Shia, who's my smaller guy, he, he usually goes down really easily. Like at nighttime, mm -hmm. he eats, he goes to bed. Um, Noah takes a bit longer. I usually have to like rock him or hold him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I find Shia, that first one, he will wake up more throughout the night. Just like not even fully wake up, just make the noises and mm -hmm. start to fuss a little bit. And I, cause he was really small at birth. I think mm -hmm. his development a little bit later than his brother. So right. he's not, he doesn't have any really self-soothing right. like strategies where I'm noticing Noah is able to like, I'll hear a little cry and then he'll kind of like figure it out. Right. 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 Um, okay. So a little bit of that, you know, I'm trying, um, I'm obviously home. My husband's working. I'm trying not to wake him in the middle of the night because I need him to function. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I'm, you know, it's working, but then there's obviously nights like where one of them wakes up and is just not happy. Um, they also had their shots yesterday, so they were extra yeah. happy, sad. Um, wow. That was my daughter's worst one too. My kids did pretty well, but it was the second month shot. It was so sad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so it sounds like, so we're waking when the one wakes up, we feed the other. Otherwise it seems like you're kind of just going with the flow for now. You're looking for some advice on how to, um, I guess, tighten up your day. Is that about right? And then, yeah. Okay. So I would say that it's, sorry, go ahead. Did I cut you off there? Like some swaddle questions, but I, this is, yeah. that's the main thing. Yeah. Okay, good. I was going to talk about swaddling too. So I'll, I'll make sure to circle back to that. Um, okay. So, you know, first and foremost, it sounds like you have a really great attitude right now. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you have two babies all of a sudden it is double the work. And obviously, um, I watched this amazing TikTok video the other day where, um, this woman was like, yeah, I just had the best advice for my anxiety. They told me to chill out and that's it. I'm cured 10 years. It's over. And I always struggle with giving the advice. Like, be calm, cool, and collected. You're like, yeah, thank you. I wish I could. And I, but it, it does sound to me that you're not super stressed. You're kind of easygoing. You're going with the flow and that's benefiting you, right? If you can get there, or if we can find moments of meditation to get to the point where you're just like, it is what it is. And I'll get to things as I get to it. They'll nap in that swing supervised. Okay. Sounds good. Um, that will benefit you. That'll benefit you when you do want to tighten things up as well, because, um, children and babies, they're not robots, right? We can do, we can set the conditions. We can provide the opportunities. In the end, our children are our children. Um, that leads me into my next point of that your twins are not going to be the same person as I'm sure you've already discovered, right? right? That you will, um, 
people when I work with twins, uh, I'll come in and they'll be like, this one is going to do the worst. This one will be fine. Quite often it's the opposite. I don't know why. I don't know why parents have an idea of, you know, their fussier baby, or maybe the fussier baby was just ready, more ready to do that sleep. Um, but babies tend, twins to ha, tend to have a different sleep personality. So one baby will like sleep more than the other. They may sleep longer than the other. They might, uh, I guess, be a little more easy breezy um, or like take longer in the process. It's actually a good reminder that no two babies are alike, even twins. Are you listening? And I, and I like to stress this because uh, my clients will be like, my friends, baby, same age, same gender, uh, their baby babies are sleeping through the night. Why is my baby not sleeping through the night? Or this baby doesn't need to eat. Why does my baby need to eat at night? And it's like, it, it's just your baby. We're not ro robots. I can't make something happen if the baby isn't ready. So if one baby is, you know, outperforming, I hate using that word, but like sleeping better or like easier than the other, it doesn't mean that the other is, you know, not developing correctly or whatever. It just means they are who they are. And it's probably going to manifest into something like quite uh, like I always and I'm using this story to you because you haven't heard it, but everyone who's listened to the season so far has. But I always talk about how my oldest daughter is so spirited. She has a lot of like She's just wonderful and confident and like says what she thinks. And that has always been her. Like when she was a baby and she didn't want to sleep, she'd be like, I'm not sleeping. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And it's just like, that'll probably turn into something very lovely later on. Um, so know that going into the process, which you probably already do. The big thing about uh, that that most twin parents want, and again, this is not what I'm saying you have to do um, to anyone listening who's like, I don't care. I just want to do what I want. Then you should do what you want. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of my twin parents want to do is they want to have some sort of predictability. They want to have some sort of like, I want my days to look kind of the same. I don't want this one sleeping at 10 and this one at 11. And all I'm doing is managing naps all day. Um, you can get away with that with one baby where you're like, I don't care how you sleep, just sleep, whatever. So generally when I'm doing quote unquote, sleep learning, sleep training, however you want to call it, providing opportunities for children to sleep. Um, we do it after four months, but those twin parents are so on it. When I get there, they're like, yeah, this is what we're at. Da, da, da. This is what we do. We wake this one, this one goes in that, and then we rock the blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's um, a lot of them have to do that be, as a survival skill in order to like maintain their day. So I would say that you're, um, it's working now, probably as they get a little more alert and aware and aware of all of this stuff, it'll be harder to just be a little more willy nilly about their naps uh, for you. Um, and I think that um, one of the things that we can start doing is working on a wake window for both. That might mean, you know, when you start your day at, let's say, 7.38, if the other one is sleeping, you have to wake them up. And uh, I actually did a show yesterday where they were talking about common baby sleep 
um, misconceptions. This is one of them. You can wake a sleeping baby and don't feel bad about it. It's okay, especially they'll get used to it. When we're trying to uh, realign a circadian rhythm or a body rhythm or a sleep rhythm, uh, we might have to help our babies along and that's okay. So you might want to start doing something like you wake them up at the same time, you work on the same wake window and, and roughly within the half hour. So if one baby is still sleeping, it's been an hour and the other still sleeping, give that one one half hour if you want, and then wake them up and then you can go from there. Um, and it's totally possible to do that. And, you know, it could be like, okay, you're both in your swings right now and you're both, we're going to go for a walk right now. Even if you wanted to start off um, now at two months, you can't really do a lot of like sleep training. We'll need to wait. That And when I talk about sleep training, I'm talking about independent sleep. Um, babies don't really know how to sleep this young, and it's going to be a pain for you to kind of teach them and, um, you know, make that happen all of the time. Uh, I mean, they can, like developmentally, it's just that two months, they can't really do the work as well as a four month old can, so you might as well wait. So if you want to at the very least for like a week, like I'm gonna make sure that you nap at this time, I'm gonna do that and we're gonna go for a walk and do our nap on the go. So everyone naps at the same time and then you can try more like, okay, maybe I'll try to put you down in your bassinet stuff uh, the next week when they've sort of developed that body timing thing. That'll be really helpful. Start like, uh, being more comfortable with where and then, but not when, and then move to like um, putting it more in a structured place as well. Yeah, like I think um, what most twin parents want is like their timings to be aligned during the day. And I, I think, yeah, and I think you can do that by controlling the environment or controlling when the babies sleep. Generally, parents get lucky because they are, if you do something like a stroller nap, if your babies are like mine, they're out in whatever. So at two months, you're looking at a wake window of roughly an hour, hour and a half. They wake up, hour and a half later, you're going to make that nap happen. They wake up, take them home, play, da da da. Hour and a half later, you make that nap happen, go for another walk. And if you did that for like three or four days to a week, that's going to set in motion some sort of like force schedule, for lack of a better word, better word. You have them kind of doing the same thing. Then, like after three or four days or your day seven, you do something where you're like, okay, I'm going to put, uh, we did our walk at like 9 a.m. I'm going to put you in your bassinets at 9 a.m. because your body is ready to go down now. That's what we've sort of trained your body to do. Okay. Yeah. So then, sorry, go ahead. You had a question about swaddles. That's where I was going to jump into. And, and I, it sort of relates to this. So when I'm putting them, um, like obviously not for the the swing or the stroller or the, but when they're when I eventually want them to nap um, in their bassinets or Am I swaddling them during the day? To, yeah, all sleep situations, you should be swaddling them. It's okay. You don't want to. So the, the concerns with over swaddling or swaddling too much are around the idea that we like take babies and we wrap them up like burritos and keep them like that all day, all night. And then we have things like hip dysplasia, hip issues. It's okay to swaddle them for sleep, for naps and for night. Um, anything that you can replicate that you're doing at night that's working, do it during 
during the day as well. Um, there's if they need if they're doing good stretches and it sounds like they are with the swaddle, um, definitely implement that into your daytime for sure. Okay. And that's one. oh sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I have um uh Shia loves the hands up, you know, the uh, swaddle, swaddle me, dream up, swaddle me. Yeah. The, yeah. He likes that one. And, um, I have my other one, Noah in like the traditional burrito, um, yeah. Velcro one. He is, he's generally the easier baby. You were saying they kind of take turns, like yeah. different things being fussy, but when it comes, I can't, I pretty much can't swaddle him awake is the mm-hmm. issue I'm having. Mm-hmm. At night, what I do is after I feed them, I'll rock him or um, I have one of those twin feeding pillows, if you've seen mm-hmm. those. Yep, um, yep. Super comfy. So sometimes I'll leave him in that, close off all the lights and just like ignore him. <laughs> and then, like, he's not, he doesn't cry. He's just awake. Like eyes yeah. fully open. We say he has FOMO because he just, yeah. like, if there's something going on, he's got to like know what's right. up. Um and then once he's sleeping, I swaddle him and very carefully carry him to his bassinet. But yeah. um, I don't know if there's like, I think with him, it's an arm thing. Is there, mm-hmm. is there one, a, a different swaddle that you would recommend or is it just working on it? I think if so, it's the, that's fine if it's working now, obviously, and you're, and you're supervising him in the pillow, disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, it's, uh, it's more that I feel like there will be an end date to that where at around three months, he becomes more aware of you moving him and then wakes up and you're like, ah. so while you're in this spot, it's probably a good idea to try out a few different swaddles. Um, the ergo cocoon is basically like a tight, um, oh, I don't want to say it's Yes, it has a zipper. Yeah, it is. But it allows babies to move their hands within that, which is okay. What we're actually trying to avoid is a startle reflex to wake them up. So if you're watching me, you know what I'm doing. If you're not, I have my hands up like a starfish moving them. And that is what wakes babies up. So as long as even if they're like doing it, it's going to lessen the blow. Um, The other option is the Zippity Zip, which is a swaddle transition product. And that is like, um, again, they look like little starfishes in it. It has four corners. If they're starting to roll, it's safe for them to roll back and forth. That might be something as well where he has a lot of movement, but it, it restricts that um, that startle reflex for him, which will be helpful. Um, but yeah, my I, I talked about this in another episode. One of my teammates, Andrea, has a great swaddle post on her Instagram. And it's all about, you know, the different types of swaddles, the 800 swaddles that she tried. It really is a crapshoot. It's really about finding the ones for your kids that they like. Um, And then at around the three or four month mark, weaning off of that swaddle because they're going to start to roll. And the quicker that we can get away from that, the better, in my opinion. Um, I mean... Sorry, go ahead. I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. There's a, a delay. Um, I have uh, two of the, um, I think they're tight, the sleep sacks with the open mm-hmm. arms. And I mm-hmm. wait those until they're like, until um, they are startling less. Like when cause they say zero to six months, all those sleep sacks and different, um, but 
would you recommend holding off on using that for a month or two? I would. I mean, just personally, personally and professionally, I haven't seen weaning off a swaddle before two months be a good thing. Uh, I had, my daughter was so huge, my first baby. Well, both of them were huge, but they could never, they never lasted in their swaddles. And I read somewhere, I was like, well, it's time for them to get out. And I was like, oh yeah, but that's advice based on the idea that if you have a 15 pound baby, they're probably four months. They're not one and a half months. <laughs> they are older. <laughs> My kids are massive. I don't know why. I mean, I had an insane supply and I probably like, I didn't know about this until I had kids, but there was always like, when you were in a tribe, there was like the woman who fed the tribe. And I think that's what I was supposed to do. You would be I, that woman. I would be that woman. I could feed your baby, your baby, your baby, your baby, everyone's baby. And when I had my second baby, holy cow, my midwife came over and was like, I was like, I think my milk's in. And she's like, how do you know? I'm like, well, it feels like my breasts are full of rocks. And she's like, oh, and I was like, I think I need to pump. She's like, well, if you do that, it's just going to come back. I'm like, I hear what you're saying, but you need to feel this. And she was like, yeah, you have to pump. You're going to get mastitis. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's what I'm going to do. So yeah, I had a lot, but anyway, there were giant, giant babies. She was like breaking out of her swaddle and, um, it was like the worst. She was doing five, six hour stretches. And then she went down to like every one to two hours waking. So I don't suggest it. The startle reflex can last anywhere up to like four to five months. So if you have to do anything, I would do a swaddle transition, like the zippity before you do full arms out. If you're going to still continue with burrito swallow, swaddling, then you're just going to do it one hand at a time. So like slowly, like you're going to put out one arm and then slowly loosen it. That's what I did because we didn't have all of these amazing swaddles back in the day, all six years ago. It does feel so long ago because everything has changed. But yeah, there's so many different products now. Um, so then the other thing, you know, for twins in general, and you're kind of doing this is, again, there's lots of different advice uh, out there, whether, I mean, if you're breastfeeding, feeding on demand is always recommended. Um, there are going to be people who uh, are just like, absolutely, like, that's not for me. I can't do that. So for most of my twin parents, that's what they, they don't want to be feeding on demand overnight. Um, so they, they will, uh, when one wakes, then they wake the other. And I mean, by feeding on demand is that usually one baby demands it and the other one is woken for that. Um, and I would continue to do that if that's what is working for you. Um, just to keep your sanity because being awake, essentially you're signing up to be awake all night. Um, if you are open again, if you're not ignore this, you may, are, are you bottle feeding or breastfeeding? I wasn't clear on that. No, I'm, um, I'm like exclusively formula bottle feeding. I was breastfeeding okay. in the first few weeks and then my husband went back to work and I was like, all I'm doing yeah. all day is pumping and feeding and pumping and feeding. And I, I was just um, going a little bit crazy. So yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, no, uh, who cares? Also, you could just be like, I don't want to. And that's all yeah. you need to say. <laughs> but you are. 
guilt phase, but now I'm like, especially because they're growing and because my one guy was super small in the hospital, they um, sort of recommended that I supplement with formula to get his weight up. So it was always a part of like what we were doing. And then, um, right. yeah, it was, it was, a. Uh, yeah, it was rough. It gave you back your sanity, right? And that's uh, my whole thing about what I do is I give parents their sanity back. And and so I feel like if you need to not breastfeed to feel like a sane person, then that's what you need to do because that's what your kids need. Your kids need a sane parent above everything. 100%. Yeah, my husband saw what it was like, even because I'm sure if you remember from breastfeeding so much, it like was just physically and like the emotions especially in the first few weeks are just so wild so the mix of it all I was like I'm not myself on a whole other level I need to yeah you know um you know, of course after you invest like hundreds of dollars in a pump and all I'm like do it all you've seen every single lactation consultant right. and right. then you're like just kidding it just give me the formula please okay yeah <laughs> I think it's, um, I think, so, okay, if, if you're breastfeeding, you may want to um, uh, pump a bottle for your partner to get more involved in that process to kind of share the load if you don't want to feed on demand. Um, I think that investing in some help if you can, whether that's through your family or through, you know, a night nurse or a nanny, like whatever you have. Um, and it doesn't, I mean, these are bougie recommendations, but it doesn't have to be that, right? Like you can just say, mom, I need you to come over for an hour and I'm just going to go do whatever I can or my, your aunt or your friend and people are just dying to do it. So definitely find a way to help your baby, especially with twins. Some people are not going to like this suggestion, but find a way to get a bottle into them so you can do other things. It's important to do that with two babies. So, um, so with formula, you're already doing that. Obviously, what you could do is pre-make the bottles and refrigerate, warm up. That's something that you can do to kind of help yourself at night. You probably do you have like a formula maker now? I have the Brezza, yeah. The, yes. the Keurig. It's the best thing in the and I just um our doctor had uh, advised us to use ready to feed until two months. Right. So um, which was like a fortune, but we just switched over to, to powder. And yeah. it's, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. Like, it's just it's unbelievable. The temperature you want it. Uh, um, unbelievable. But, and <laughs> to your point, we've actually been, yes, yeah, um, we've been <laughs> lucky. We were living with my parents, waiting for, um, for moving out next, well, really, we get to house like next week. So we're in the process of moving. Um, so I've been super lucky because I actually um, have my mom home most days so Great. I um I listened to like my mom friends and they were like use it use it use it so yes um, I even if I just like need to run to Walmart for 10 minutes I'm like I just need to like go leave the house literally yeah just, like yeah clear my mind and it's um, you're like hey mom I just thought of um this errand that I need to run right now and it's only at Walmart and it's only at the Walmart that's farthest from here. So I gotta go. Where did this baby thing from a mom? Like yeah. So um 
and even just to have her help like with feeding, it's been uh, huge. So yeah, I definitely want like to get uh, my mind thinking more scheduled, especially because I will be like she'll still be around to help, but I'll be you know alone. Um, yeah, for the most yeah. Part. Well, I think if you were to do these things now, that's really going to set you up for if you want to sleep train, post that. If you need to sleep train, that'll really help you with like scheduling and all of that stuff. Um, for anyone, you know, in the point of sleep training, you may want to be thinking about something like um, essentially what I am saying, but but make sure that when you're doing your nap stuff or your night stuff, it's generally around the same time. And that if you're still doing night feeding, that you're you're aligning the night feedings. Um, the other big question that I get, we're almost we're we're verging into like good nap territory, and I try to keep these podcasts to crap nap territory. But um, the other thing that I get a lot of questions uh, about is like whether or not twins should sleep together. Most twins do fine sleeping together. I suggested. I mean, they've been together since conception. They'll be okay. In the early days, if you're choosing to sleep train, you may want to separate them. You may not. It may take a little bit longer if one doesn't get it over the other, but generally it takes the same amount of time. I always give parents an option. In the end, we always move babies back together within like a few days. Really? Mm-hmm. That's for, because um, in their bassinets right now, at least, they wouldn't really fit together, mm-hmm. which is why pretty much. Oh, I mean, them. sorry, I mean in the same room, in the oh, same in the room same together. Room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Great clarification. Yeah, that was a, a question I did have because we were planning to just keep them in the same room. Um, yeah. With the cribs, um, just because, like, you know, they're little, they should be, and it, it also, yeah. it also be for us. At nighttime, yes. going that's going into one room, yeah. Um, and for the most part, at least, um, like you said, because they're not super aware yet, they don't wake each other. I don't know yeah. um, if that's typical or. They generally will start, I mean, they sleep through each other's sounds. Like my girls, they're not twins, but they do share a room and they have slept through some pretty insane stuff. So uh, yeah, like twins especially will have that down. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. I know I had like another uh, question for you. Um, oh, tummies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I find they, and I think it's like a little bit gas related because when they have gassy tummies, it feels good to put pressure on their tummy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they sleep on us on their stomach, like super peaceful, they fall asleep instantly. Um, and this morning I had them on their tummies on like a mat and one of them fell asleep on his stomach. (laughs) He was just like so comfortable. So I put his brother in the same, on the same mat and I just put him, you know, head down, like belly down. He turned his head and they both fell asleep. And I was obviously Mm -hmm. watching them the whole time. Yeah. Um, But what's your advice? What are your thoughts on like supervised tummy sleeping, I guess? So my advice always has to be, we can't do it. If you wanted to have, if you were to have that discussion with your doctor and weigh the pros and cons, I think it's, it's worth having that discussion. I always have to, because I'm not a medical professional, 
I have to be very careful about any suggestion that I make. And then I have to talk about like SIDS recommendations. What I will say is that what you're probably finding is accurate, that kids love to sleep on their tummies. And generally when kids figure out how to roll from um, back to front, they love it and they sleep longer stretches, they connect their cycles well, it's great. But that is really safe when they can do that on their own because the risk is that they can't get up or their face gets into a position or they're in a situation where it's not safe for them to be. So when your child is rolling front to back, it's okay. Um, But even then, doctors are pretty adamant that even when your child can roll and they like to sleep on their stomach, you need to put them on their back. I will say from like a behavioral standpoint as well, If you think about all of the activities that you do before you go to sleep, it's a series of tossing and turning, and it's a whole routine. Getting them from the back to the front could be a part of that routine, and you don't want to take that piece of the routine out of it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, Because that could be something that they're like, ooh, I like that. Oh, go on my stomach. Now I'm ready for sleep. So I, I think it's worth continuing to put them on um, on their back to sleep, even if they are moving proper. But for, I mean, I get this question a lot. I always deflect to a medical professional and you can talk about it with your doctor and get the okay from him, her or him. well we are at a point we are at 36 minutes and if your baby is sleeping 36 minutes you're living your best life so we're going to say goodbye Haley you have been a dream and a pleasure to talk to you I hope this helps and if you have any other uh, questions concerns about baby sleep head on over to the blog or my Instagram at baby's best sleep where I talk at your face about sleep whether you like it or not (laughs) have a great day everyone thank you bye